across the sea of character sheets, deep in the forest of D20s lies the mountain of source books. Welcome to the Mountain of Source Books. We hope you enjoyed your climb. My name is Jeffrey Vincent Dale, and joining us this week for the first time on the news segment, welcome Jesse. I know, it's weird. I'm like sitting in Teach's chair. I think she's going to be mad at me. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's roomy in here. Also, we haven't actually seen each other in person in like a year. <laughs> yeah, it has been way too long. I am going to look literally completely different and the next time you see me. It's going to be hilarious. But anyway, yeah. All right. So, yeah, let's just dive right into the news. So first up, this isn't really like a tabletop RPG, but it involves tabletop. It, it is and it isn't. Yeah. So Critical Role has announced that they're releasing a two player cinematic storytelling game. Yeah. I mean, it, technically, in some theories, that is a role playing game. But I believe from what I read, it looks like it's like the narrative focus is largely on like less specifically player actions and more like how you react to the events that occur as you as you go through like the various little boards and stuff like that. It's interesting. I'm a super huge fan of the way Matt writes, so I'm completely uh, interested in the idea in general. I yeah, I've been a fan of that series to some degree for a while if you have not seen their cartoon you should definitely do so it is amazing oh yeah i'm looking forward to the next season coming oh my out God. next month oh there's there's some stuff in that season that i'm like i'm looking so forward to because in the original broadcast they had did certain things and they're obviously going to make it more narrative and stuff like that it's like what are they going to do for some of this <laughs> oh yeah so the the game is called till the last gasp and it's much more focused on kind of cinematic, climactic battles between individuals. So that that's pretty interesting. Yeah, it, it kind of sounds like a back and forth between each other. And it's kind of like over the course of the game going to different through different locations and stuff like that. It seems very interesting. I have a couple games that are not dissimilar to what it sounds. So, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I'm sure that the following that Critical Role has, I'm sure that we will have no problem finding reviews for it. We'll find reviews, <laughs> and if they ever, if like, if they, if it's ever like, oh yeah, if we get a certain amount of like people buying this, we'll do something else, and it's like it will immediately get whatever that is. That that fandom is rabid, rabid. <laughs> Sometimes in a bad way, by the way, but that's a different podcast. <laughs> yes. All right, so next up, Kickstarter. Ooh, this one's a 50-50. There's good stuff, and then there's... Yeah, well, most most of the bad stuff is Kickstarter as a company, really. <laughs> yeah, I'm not super fond of that, but yeah, what can you do? But yeah, tabletops have gotten some really good like love on Kickstarter, and that's very good. And a good place to get indie games, too. Just, you know, you'll have to wait a while. <laughs> yeah, if I'm not mistaken, the article says, like, 20% of all Kickstarters back money came from tabletop this year, probably. Although a lot of it is because a lot of big Kickstarters have been from like singular groups. Oh, actually, no, I'm, I'm looking at the article. It says 20% of all Kickstarter funds since Kickstarter started is tabletop. Oh, wow. Really? <laughs> that's interesting. Yes. Yeah. I missed that part. But yeah, that's, that's pretty huge. Yeah. It's, 
big. There's a lot of there's a lot of again, there's a lot of good stuff out there and there's a lot of also weird stuff and creepy stuff. And then also one of the other problems is you'll run into stuff that's like these people are not professionals and they did not do the proper like proper th- things. Like you they did not get um what are they called? Sensitivity writers, for instance. That's a big one. <laughs> yeah, I, I personally have backed thirteen Kickstarters that are tabletop related. <laughs> I've backed a lot of tabletop ones, but I cannot really remember the ones that I like really did a lot with. Probably the only significant one I would say is Glitter Hearts. At some point, we have to play that one, by the way. It's just magical girl stuff. That's on the list. All right, so Gloomhaven. Ah, Gloomhaven. They keep doing things. There's so much Gloomhaven, and it's kind of all the same thing. It's kind of interesting that they do that. Like, they don't change things up that much. So it's like, you can play Gloomhaven on kind of anything. You can do a board game, you can do a actual RPG, you can do a video game. There's other stuff that I can't remember. I know there's more. I think there's a book. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. I don't actually know if that's true. <laughs> but yeah, so I guess next year they're doing two backer kit campaigns. Okay. Like, they're expanding upon it? Well, the the first one is a line of miniatures. I don't know anything about that. It might just be like extra minis for the board game or like new characters to use or something like that. Yeah, probably. Or um, I think uh, the most recent version, the Jaws of the Lion, came with like cardboard minis. So maybe they're like... Oh, like more... 3D printed like, ones. Yeah, 3D printed ones. Yeah, those, those 3D printing is with minis is like the, the ideal... <laughs> But yeah, so Gloomhaven is getting, on top of all the stuff that's already out, an official tabletop RPG. It really is interesting, because Gloomhaven is kind of like a... More, it's honestly more of like a D&D setting than its own, like, game. Like, it does have its own rules and has all that stuff, but, like, it very clearly came from D&D. So they're, like, modifying it and changing it and building it into its own thing, and it looks very different now than the original version, by the way. So, yeah, it, they, they can very easily make their own game now. Yeah, I've bought Jaws of the Lion uh, as a board game, and I also bought the video game. Yeah. Haven't we, played either one. <laughs> yeah, no, this, this... Jeff, this is literally our entire, like, thing for the podcast. We keep buying things and not doing them. That's the entire point. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it's more likely we will cover the RPG before we cover the board game. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't mind that, though. Although, um, for fantasy stuff, we definitely have to do the D&D one. I have oh, yeah. Alan ready. She is ridiculous and wonderful and very much a himbo. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm actually uh, currently doing starting prep for uh, Dragons of Stormwreck Isle. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. I have no idea what we're going to do especially as a group especially since our character party is said to be weird also someday i have to play a goth character i have not done that at all in our campaigns and it's actually starting to bother me <laughs> but i'm not doing this because i can't I, I need to play um D and not play a scumbag i can't i haven't done it in so long <laughs> yeah so well the current plan is we'll do dragons of stormwreck isle then probably masks oh yes masks and then after that, we don't really have anything set in stone just because we don't know how long it's going to take. Yeah, and that was the one Teach is running? Yes. Really looking forward to that. Masks is wonderful. Uh, do we want to talk about the Walking Dead role-playing game? Oh, right. That was a thing that was on there at one point. Um, 
Unfortunately, I really don't like the Walking Dead. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I kind of put it on there more so we can dunk on it. Yeah, I I don't mind the idea of a narrative zombie game, but zombies have been hard in the hun dead since the nineties. They, they keep they they won't let them die, but ye gods, they have needed to die for so long. Any you can do, and um, if you have not seen the movie Pitch Black. This will, it will, that movie will tell you, you can do a zombie movie and not have zombies. You can mm-hmm. do a zombie movie with any any type of monster that acts like that, like where you have that looming threat. You do not need zombies. Zombies are boring now. They've been done for 30, more than 30 years. So long. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I, I love my Resident Evil. I love basically all the old zombie movies really like they're great they're classics they're fantastic like it's still been so long and especially walking dead where it's like is, didn't this they said that the show is ending finally yeah yeah like i was still working my first job when that show started that that is how old that show is yeah the the comics started off before the big spike in popularity then the show started like right at the end of the spike, and it's just never ended. Never. I thought it ended once, but apparently it didn't. And now it is, and it will come back. Um, uh, oh, they've already announced it. It's getting more spinoffs. No. Yeah, the series really has uh, kind of ridden its way into the ground it's, by this point. So, like, I don't even know what. You... I like. It just feels like this long train that just never ends, and it's just like. Are we going to get off? No, it's just we're not slowing down. Okay, we'll get there eventually. I saw the announcement for the RPG, and my first thought was, well, maybe I could get it and we could play Resident Evil with it. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. There are better um, games for that. Yeah, that's what I thought. Like right after I finished having that thought, I was like, well, no, I'll do something else. Especially a licensed game. And this is this is the thing you'll run into. Like you'll run into um, Firefly had a game once that was. A decent game. Who the heck are you going to find to play Firefly with? Yes. Like it's the exact same. Like, it's the exact concept. If you play a game that already exists, that you can at least find a group with. Like it's tough to find anything that's not D and D. Like I get that, but you can at least be like, yeah, hey, we're gonna do this thing. Like sometimes you'll find stuff that just by saying, hey, I want to make a game based off of this, and that's fine. But like, Walking Dead is so specific. And, like, it doesn't even need to be zombies anymore. It could be literally anything. It could basically just be a narrative, this is what we're doing, and just so, like, people don't kill each other, you have, like, rules to avoid that. Yeah, it's just, it it feels about ten years too late. (laughs) Yeah, if you had done it, it's peak, peak, I even would have been like, okay, that's fine. But RPGs were not popular enough for that back in the day. That is it is true. Fascinating. It's fascinating how different the landscape is even then. Because that's even like maybe like a decade after I started playing RPGs. I can't remember when that show started. Yeah, I I've feel like we were in high forgotten. school. I feel like we were in high school. Yeah, I think we were in college by then. Okay, maybe not. I don't remember times. I'll look it up now because I mean, I got a computer right in front of me. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> Started in 2010. Oh my god, we were such babies. <laughs> I literally didn't even know who I was at that moment. 
Skyrim wouldn't be out for more than oh a my... year. No! <laughs> I feel like Skyrim has been released a million times, and there's no way it hasn't come... Like, oh my god. Yes, it, w- it, it came out 13 months after The Walking Dead TV show started. I can't believe it. <laughs> Alright, well, goodbye people, you probably won't hear from me until the next game. <laughs> But yeah, that's all for the news. So enjoy our review of Henshin. All right, time again to review another system. But this time, something a little different. In fact, it is different from anything I have ever played or run. Yeah, it's different from anything I've ever done either. Because it is our first diceless system. Yeah, this is weird. <laughs> Instead of dice, it uses tokens. So basically, you are paid or pay for certain actions. It's it's pretty different. <laughs> uh, we'll see when we get to the gameplay whether or not I like that different. But the game refers to its DM. As the narrator, narrators and players take turns dictating the story using turns, meaning actions that move the story along, which sounds like it could get a little confusing. They're using turn as terminology for the game, and it doesn't necessarily relate to a gameplay turn. Oh, yeah, I could see how that gets confusing. The system is pretty much entirely narrative focused to the point where there is no HP or other stats. It's all down to what narratively makes sense and balancing the involvement of all the players. So it's a great writing exercise. Got it. Yes, yes. It's very much focused on story and hitting story beats. And it says in the book that it should take about three hours to play a session. So that's the basics. Uh, And when you get to players... Players choose a color playbook, which all of our players have done. Mm -hmm. And each playbook corresponds to a color that is common to Super Sentai. And they have personality types attributed to them, but they have some leeway within those types so that you don't just have to make the same character. Okay. Each playbook, they have tasks to choose from. Now, the game resources tab should have a download for that. Yeah, the color playbooks. Okay, yeah. Red, blue, black, green, yellow, pink, gold, silver, white, purple, and orange. Yes, a pretty wide variety. And strangely enough, they're even grouped to be used differently. But we'll get to that. But the reason I wanted you to pull up the sheet was because I wanted to talk about tasks. Okay, So the way that tasks work is each player picks one task from their sheet. And that is their story goal for the session. It is their job to make sure that that happens within the story in a way that makes sense. All right. So, for example, we've got red. Charge ahead recklessly if no one is depending on you. Rise to the occasion when it's the right thing to do. Express wonder even if it borders on naivety. Eagerly shine the spotlight on your teammates explore self-realization and eventual leadership. Yes, and 
with each player trying to accomplish those goals, it allows, in conjunction with the token system, allows everyone to have a spot to shine in the story of the session. And of course, Red is the leader. Yes, Red is designed to be the leader. Each player also needs to have a connection, which if you look through it is essentially establishing a character within the universe. Uh, a lot of Super Sentai, each character will have just one or two characters that they know outside the team that occasionally dips into the storyline for the sake of that character's arc and usually doesn't have any real impact on the overarching plot of the season or the other characters. Just when, say, Red gets a focus episode, their sibling will show up and the story will be about Red and the sibling and their relationship and possibly how it ties into Red's role within the team or explaining why they act the way they act. And the purpose of the connections is to simulate that within the game. Okay. Now we're getting into the turns. It's pretty well described on the sheet, thankfully. I'm not sure how well I can narrow it down, but turns are actions started by the player that are appropriate for their color playbook, and depending on what kind of turn they use, it will either gain them tokens or cost them tokens. Which, if you run out of tokens, you can't do anything. Which, if you're using them wrong and you're just kind of throwing them at problems, could lead to you being sort of shuffled into the background. Useless. But then it does give the opportunity for the spotlight to be on the other players. Which, I do like that. It sort of builds into the system a way to make sure that nobody's hogging the spotlight. Okay. So there's four types that are in front of me. A heavy turn looks like that. You spend a token. Yes. Uh, regular turns, it's neither taking away one or earning one. Light turns gives you a token. And then squad turns, which... Require everyone on the team to be in on it. And it says within each squad turn, let's see, when the squad confronts danger to follow their principal colors present, gain a token. So squad turns give you a benefit, whether that be gaining a token or letting you do something that you couldn't do on your own, like an ultimate attack. Ah, uh, yes. And then there was one that you missed with the special turn. Oh, yeah. It's, it's easy to miss because of the way it's structured. It almost looks like a heading on the sheet. Yeah, it does. But yeah, special turns are about two members of the team working together. They're not quite squad turns where it involves everybody, but you can't do them on your own. So, for example, Red says, when you take on solving someone else's problem, they gain a token. It's specifically referring to someone on your team. Okay. So that's great, because it's another, another way of fostering that sort of emulation of Super Sentai. And then we get... This is going to be a weird one. Oh, yeah. Sure. I, <laughs> we'll see how long the gameplay actually takes. They say three hours. We'll see. Uh, depending on confusion. Maybe it'll maybe it'll play more smoothly than it sounds. I I have a feeling it will take some getting used to though. Yeah, no dice like. Yep, never encountered a diceless system, but the tokens do account for it a little bit. No, it does. I I think this is insanely creative. Yeah, it it must have required so much playtesting. <laughs> right. And the last thing on the sheet raises, which I like the idea behind this. So at the end of a session, all of the players confer with one another and decide which player did the best job of achieving their task for the session. And then whoever wins that 
gets a raise. And depending on discussion with the DM and where the story is, you get different things for a raise. You could get a tech upgrade. You could gain the respect of your team narratively. You could decide that your character's story has been told and retire them. Or you can pull a Tommy and have them switch to a different playbook. So, yeah, I'm going to need a little bit more elaboration on the raises. So it's at the end of... Yeah, okay. Now I see why turns is confusing. Yes. <laughs> so is it at the end of of a, a traditional round? Well, no, it's, it's at the end... Of the session. So you... Oh, it's just at the end of the Yeah, session. so at the end of the session, that particular gameplay session is done, and then you all of the players sit down and decide, okay, who did the best job of telling their particular story, of accomplishing their task? Okay, that is way easier than I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, I mentioned pulling a Tommy and switching playbooks. So that'll that'll bring us to the playbooks. I have one more sort of general thing to talk about before we get to character creation, and that is that the the way that they've grouped the playbooks. So red, blue, black, green, yellow, and pink are all grouped together, and those are the basic playbooks. Basically, they're they're supposed to represent the team that starts the show. Like in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, they had the original five. This is the starting team. Okay. And those are the ones that you, you pick from if you're going to do a campaign. And then the next group are gold, silver, and white, I believe. Yeah, gold, silver, and white. And these are intended to be the sixth rangers. So like your Tommy who shows up partway through the story and changes the group dynamic. All right. And then... Well, I guess purple technically counts that way as well, but it's a very different playbook because they're kind of sort of working with the villain. Maybe willingly, maybe not, which I love. That's that's a great way to shake things up. And yes. then we have the weird one, orange. This one is intended to be a one-and-done playbook. Like, comically overpowered, they get their powers for one episode... And then they lose their powers at the end of it. And then they never have powers again, or at least not the orange powers. Okay. It's, it's very much an oddball, kind of throwing that thing out there, kind of comedy character. It's interesting. <laughs> okay. So I guess the question is, we can build a purple or an orange character? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We might flip a coin. Okay. Well, here, I'll grab a die, and then we can roll and uh, see which character we're making. How many are these? There's 12? No, 11? Yeah, 11. I'll roll a d6, and we'll choose... Well, first off, do you want to do one of the extra characters, or do you want to do one of the mains? You know what? We're going to do the mains... Hmm. We're going to do a couple of mains during the uh the campaign so because we already have a red and a pink you know what let's just roll up an orange because roll up an orange all right i was gonna say it was it was either gonna be i feel like it was either gonna be purple or orange yeah (laughs) purple would be i think the one that i would pick if i were playing but i mean orange feels like a fun one to do for this sounds good 
Oh, one more thing I forgot to mention. There is a sheet called the Forma Squad sheet. And that's kind of setting everything up for the world and the tech and the bad guys. We're going to have to record that. That's going to be our first recording session for Henshin is going to be us filling out the Forma Squad sheet. Okay. Onwards to character creation. Let's make ourselves an orange ranger. Yes. So first things first, we've got to choose a name. Yeah, do we want to do a random generator? Sure. Let's see, human. What gender is this character going to be? Let's just go female since it's a female on the sheet. Okay. How about Lynn Morris for their name? Sure. All right, <laughs> Lynn Morris. Okay, and then looks... Let me see here. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, I'm just going to roll a d6. And if I roll a six, I'll re-roll. And that's how we'll choose her looks. Uh, again, this is a, to reiterate, this is a dice-free system. I am rolling to do we more. We just like to throw randomness into stuff. Yes, it makes character creation more fun. All right, so I got two, so we're going to go with a homely face. Okay. Five. Yeah, they're all five. I, I checked all three of them. Okay. What does that say? Eyes? Vacuous eyes? So they're kind of spacey, maybe. So a homely, spacey, naive face? Uh, mm, that's weird. Whatever. Okay, so homely face, vacuous eyes, and... Uh, to oddball wear so like mismatched clothes we'll say okay so we've got a homely face kind of a spacey stare with really mismatched clothes all right i'm getting kind of a luna lovegood vibe from the character so far <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's what i was thinking all right, and connections are a little bit different on this one, because in order to get you right into the action, all of your connections are supposed to be one of the other players. So color who's an immediate family member, color who's a secret you want to uncover, color who is a sworn rival, color at the center of a wacky scheme, color who you desperately want to protect. Alrighty. And then there's 10 other colors. Yeah. So a 10 would be a zero on that. Okay, so three. So the very first one, color who is an immediate family member, that would be black. Okay. Well, we only choose one connection, to be clear. Oh, I thought we were choosing... Yeah, I mean, if the story warrants it, we could make more connections. But in, when you're actually making a character, they only require one connection. Okay, well, since she's weird, I'm going to go with black color whose secret you want to uncover desperately. Okay. Maybe they've been friends for a while and they don't like that uh, secrets are being kept now. There you go. Okay. And so then there's turn tasks. So we would choose one task going forward. Yes. There's five of those. This game really likes number fives. Okay, number two. So make the greatest impact in the shortest time. 
That would be our task. One V one the monster. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. And then raises. We don't have to worry about that. Retire your character. Swap powers with someone. Lose your powers. Step down or disappear. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm actually a little confused about raises on orange because the whole point of orange is to only appear once. But they're talking about starting episodes with t tokens in the future. I guess maybe you could switch to a different playbook. So I think that's the whole point. You earned a place in the memories of the squad. Nobody will forget your name. Describe why. So I'm assuming that's like if you die. And then the other one, your suit, weapon, or mech become undeniably better. Describe how... Start each episode with a token. Oh, that one's the confusing one. Yeah. And then retire makes sense as well. That was the one I was expecting when we first started making the character. So death, retire, or... Take someone's place on the team. That's interesting. Yeah. Mm. All right. But yeah, that's that's all the character creation that's here. Well, no, we can do uh, describe your colors, named attack, suit, weapon, and mech. We won't get into named attack because that would, I think that would take a while to make, but. Yeah. Considering our monster theme, what monster should orange be themed around? Because we still have uh, monsters we haven't used Frankenstein, the Gillman, Phantom of the Opera. Hmm. Homely face, blank stare, oddball wear. Definitely not Phantom of the Opera because. Do dresses to the nines. So uh, let's go with Frankenstein. Okay. So they got electric based powers, we'll say. Yeah. All right. And then according to the book, what mech does Frankenstein get? Let's see. Oh, it's just colossal monsters. So they would get a humanoid mech. Okay. Humanoid mech. And then the weapon, I would say, something that conducts electricity. Yeah, it, it says electric bolt, which I was picturing as, like, a ball attached to a chain. So, like, a big, comically oversized electrical bolt attached to the end of a chain that they swing around. Oh, I was thinking a large, comically sized, you go into a 90s comic and look at a thunderbolt, and that's what she's holding. And then... She shoots electricity out of it. Yours makes a little more sense. <laughs> yeah, mine's a little more traditional Sentai, I think. <laughs> mine's a little more literal, I suppose, in the bolt category. All right, and then all the rest of the character creation would require the rest of the squad, so. Okay. Everyone will be able to hear that later on when they listen to us play the gameplay. Absolutely. All right, so I looked... The only place I could find that is selling this is DriveThruRPG. So I, I couldn't find it on Amazon. They did do a Kickstarter, which is where I got my physical copy. But yeah, I'm only seeing it on DriveThruRPG. We'll include that link in the show notes. But the, the digital PDF is $15. Physical is $20. And then they have a bundle where you can get both together for $35. In terms of extra content, they have released token cards which are cards that you would use as your currency for the tokens for your turns. Okay, so instead of writing it down, you have physical tokens that you trade back and forth, essentially. Yeah, and you can get 
a digital version where you can print them out yourself for $5. Or if you want them to put them on like actual cardstock, those are $7 for the physical ones. I personally would say the physical would be worth it just because it's only $2 more. Yeah. And they're much nicer quality. They'll stand up to more harassment. <laughs> and they have free resources available for download on their website, caveofmonstersgames.com. Yeah, so they have the color playbooks so that just like with Monster of the Week, you can download those for free and you have access to all the, the everything you need to know for to play as a player. They have a narrator playbook, which comes with everything the narrator really needs to know, like the bare essential rules, a checklist for the first session, and the form a squad worksheet. And they also have module worksheets, which are the... I didn't mention them, but like half of the book is modules, which is just setting information and ideas for like campaigns of different tones in different places. For example, we're going to be doing the, the first one, Monster Freak which is heavily inspired by the old Universal Monster movies from the 30s. Okay. Set in the town of Bell Hill. But yeah, there's tons of them in there. there they, we mentioned the horror one. There's a comedy one themed around food. Uh, there's a, a sort of Captain Planet-esque one. Oh, yes! Okay, <laughs> so I was getting... When you were first describing this to me... Uh, in talking about playing this, I was so hardcore getting Captain Planet vibes. And then okay. <laughs> you were talking about the mechs and stuff, and I was like, okay, well, I'm I'm getting more Power Ranger vibes now. But your first description of it, I was like, oh my god, Captain Planet. <laughs> but yeah, it, they, they have another one that's about a team that's music-themed. Uh, like they they went all out in thinking of a very large number of different options for different tones. They even created what's called the shared universe challenge, which is providing a chronological order to have them all take place in the same universe, like the TV show where they change teams every season. Oh, I almost forgot about one of my favorite ones, Dino Brawl simultaneously dinosaur-themed and wrestling-themed. Ugh. <laughs> I don't understand why you like wrestling. It's goofy fun. Or at least the classic stuff is. I guess. I... But yeah, that's the game. So, based off of purely my description, like, what do you think of the, the general rules? The stuff with the turns and the raises and all that stuff? So, I think it's going to take a little time to get used to with the no dice thing. The turn verbiage should definitely be altered or elaborated on so it's not so confusing. But yeah, the style of turns and how you gain or lose tokens and it's just token-based, that is insanely creative. Yeah, I, I like that it allows for everyone to have a spotlight without requiring to set, like, a specific turn order? Yes. Uh, if someone is going gung-ho in the beginning, they'll use up all their tokens, so they kind of have to be a background character, so it forces players who aren't as 
verbal, maybe, or aren't as, I guess, more shy players. It's not even about the characters. It's also forces players to be a little bit more involved. Yes, it it brings shy players up to bat, and also it ensures that if uh, any of your players have main character syndrome, that by the rules, they're sidelined. Yes. (laughs) So I've never heard or seen of a game that has that built into it, so that should be interesting. Yes, that's nice. I like the idea of raises and how that works with bringing about weapon upgrades, just like in the show, or you can even choose to do use it for a narrative purpose where your character has just moved on to a different part of their arc. And it's formally recognized that now going forward, the other characters will think of them like this. So raises, I have a little bit of an issue with because they're so, I don't know, arbitrary Because everyone wants the raise, so you've got a bunch of people arguing back and forth as to why they would deserve the raise. Or does the DM ultimately decide? Like, everyone states their case as to why they should get the raise, and then the DM decides? Could you play it like that and still be... My understanding was that it was to be put up to a vote. Okay. I do recognize, though, the potential for raises to end up hoarded by one person. Yes. But quite frankly, that would also be true to the source material, because, I mean, the Red Ranger always gets like three times as many upgrades as everybody else. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. I got a special motorcycle. Well, we got motorcycles now, too. Well, I got a new one. Yeah. Yeah. So basic rules, a little odd but they got potential oh yes yeah we'll we'll see for sure when we actually play it yes character creation what do you think it's great it outlines everything very well it doesn't give you too many choices so that you're overwhelmed but it gives you plenty of variety You've got the six main characters. You've got the five extra. You want to call them extra characters? Yeah, I think there's a. I think there's an official term in there somewhere, but I'm not digging through the book just for for that. <laughs> yeah, there's there's five extra characters that are gonna you know cause a twist in the story. Like you said, the purple one. Working with the villain, that is cool. Now, whether it's willingly or not willingly, that's even better. Because if you've got a character that is not willingly working with a villain, that definitely is going to bring an enhancement to the story. Yeah, that's going to bring the drama. Oh, yes. And this game is all about the story. Yes, like literally all about the story to a degree that even Powered by the Apocalypse doesn't reach. Yes. But yeah, my my impression, actually, when I first found out about the system, I didn't know it was its own system. I thought it was a Powered by the Apocalypse system because I saw these character sheets. And that was the, the understanding that I backed the project on. And I, 
I didn't really look too deep into it because I knew that that the company that makes it made good products and it was well received and it was a topic that I was interested in having a game for. But then I when I was reading through it and saw that it was a diceless system, I was like, oh. But yeah, the, the the character creation reminds me a lot of Powered by the Apocalypse. It's it's not quite it doesn't quite give you as much in terms of choices, but I do like how they give you choices within the tasks. So you're not set in one specific task. And and actually one of the rules is that partway through the session, once the monster first shows up, the DM is supposed to pause the game and ask everyone, okay, do you still want to go for the task you are going for, or do you feel like the way you're playing your character, you would go for a different one this time? So it, it allows for a little bit of a shift there if it fits the narrative better. Something I really like about this game, as I've mentioned, sometimes you just don't have a lot of time on your hands. This game is simple enough that you can make your character... How long did that take us? Two minutes to make our character? Yeah, I wasn't really keeping too much track, but it wasn't long. Two minutes... Five minutes, probably, to create a backstory with others, and it can be a one-and-done session. So if you have... or it could not be. So if you have a group that is just kind of inconsistent because life gets in the way, this would be a great game to play because you can do a one-and-done and then it, treat it like an episode. So yes, or you can even have an episode where one of the characters had to go out of town for a wedding or something, so the others have to make do without them, and that's the story. Yeah. So this game really integrates the fact that real living human adults with responsibilities outside of the game world are playing this. I don't know if the creators were accounting for the fact that people are busy and this is a great way to blow off some steam with some friends in a one and done and then maybe go back to it potentially. I don't know what their intention was with that, but regardless of their intention, this is this is a great game to play if you're just on the struggle bus with life and just just trying to find anywhere to slot anything in <laughs> yeah just trying to find anywhere to slot anything in to hang out with your friends and relax and not think of the world's impending doom yeah and we won't go over combat because i mean there aren't combat rules it's just treated as an extension of the story so you just take different turns yeah and then price i would say the amount of content in this is at least equivalent to Monster of the Week in terms of how much they're giving you. You can definitely do a lot with this. I mean, in the scheme of things, it's not a huge amount of content, but at the same time, it's so creative that you can do so much with what you're given. Yeah, and usually if a system doesn't include a whole lot of monsters in it, I count that as a tiny little knock against it. But, I mean, it's Super Sentai. Literally... There have been enemies that are just, oh, a baseball has been turned into a monster. Yeah. 
the monsters don't have to be creative because it's not about the monsters. It's it's very much about the players and their characters and the team dynamic. So the the monsters are very much just tools in this system, as they should be for something emulating Super Sentai. Yes. But yeah, overall, I have high hopes for this one, but we'll have to see in practice how that turn system works. I would presume that it works at least okay. Yeah, we're going to need to get used to it, and I'm sure it's going to be a little bit iffy the first maybe round of turns, but I'm sure we'll get used to it. Yeah, but it's a cool system worth checking out. Yes. Uh, especially since so much of it is free. You can pull it up and check it out for yourself. We'll include those links. Of course. Announcement. We're actually not going to have any new episodes next Tuesday or the Tuesday after because of the holidays. Uh, So let's see. The next episode will be Tuesday, January 10th. And that'll be us actually playing Henshin. Uh, We'll be doing character creation. Our podcast can be found on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and our Mountain of Sourcebooks YouTube channel. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at mountain underscore of underscore source underscore books and to follow our Facebook page, MOSB dash Mountain of Sourcebooks, where you can get updates on everything that's happening with us. And on all of those services, if you could follow, like, and subscribe, that would help us a ton as it raises our visibility and makes it easier for people on those various platforms to find us. And if you're feeling particularly generous, consider donating to our Patreon. You can find that at patreon.com slash MOSB underscore 2022. And with all that said, thank you for listening and careful on your way back down the mountain. Mm-hmm.